This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 723, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 723. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is Josh Flanagan. Coming to you live from my secluded hidden bunker. <laughs> How are you doing with your seclusion? I'm cool. You're cool? Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool so far. I mean, sure, I'm terrified for the future. But at the <laughs> moment, you know, like, we have a lot of food here. So At the moment. Yeah, at the moment. And every time we start to make a little dented, I'm like, I should go get some more. And I fill that space in. But I have no idea what's in the back of the freezer at this point. <laughs> it's your third kid. I'm th- I'm I'm sure I had bratwurst in here somewhere, but they're <laughs> they're back there like the Ark of the Covenant. So <laughs> forget it. They're, it's gone. Let it go. Mm-hmm. We are iFanboy, and everyone can read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the best one they read. We call it the pick of the week. Talk about that book, some other books, do some patron picks, listener mail. We have fun because it's not fun out there. So we have fun in here. You know what? I don't know what it's like out there because we're not supposed to be out there. So I don't go. <laughs> Spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be spoilers. Exercise some caution this week. Josh had the pick. I did. And the pick of the week for me, and I already know that this is contentious, apparently. Uh, I, the pick of the week is uh, Deceased Unkillables number two. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get in front of this. I did not read the Robin book. Well, it's not contentious. This is a good book. I mean, you you had you mentioned to me earlier that you thought it was another strange week in comics. I had a fun time reading it. I don't know if that's because I need the distraction. That's fair. And I need uh, the escapism. But I I had a really good time, and there were, I I personally had a, a couple of books I really enjoyed. I could have made the pick, and this was one of them. Again, Tom Taylor's on a roll with this whole deceased world he's created. Well, I I think that um, I think the issue that I had. With the last issue, oh, I see what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was the bit with uh, Jason Todd and uh, Batgirl and and Jim Gordon. We were like, oh, that's really fun. And then they sort of went into the villains, and I thought, I don't want that as much. And he completely reconciled that with this issue, um, yeah. and did something very unexpected. I thought, um, yeah, uh, the villains all show up, and you're like, oh shit, and they're like, no, we we have to train for the future. And then, like, they all become a happy little family. And, and the villains are, like, training kids and how to get out. And it didn't seem like it was, you know, saccharine or cloying or anything. Like, I kind of bought it, you know? Yeah, it was like, you know, Gordon and Jason Todd and Cassandra Kane are protecting a, a house full of kids. And the villains show up via Mirror Master's Mirror Portal, which I thought was clever. And, um, the, the you know Gordon's like you know we'll we'll die protecting these kids and they're like we don't we're not gonna hurt the kids we gotta survive we gotta train these kids to help and so you get like a little training montage with Bane and Deathstroke and and uh, Ravager and Lady Shiva training these kids in the ways of combat and fighting and I, I and then it all then something happens obviously which we'll get to but it was I thought this was terrific it was it was really quite a lot of fun and you know it's the same thing where the strength of the other book is the the relationships between the characters and he's going deeper here i mean like it was a little easier on the first deceased because um 
you know, they were all top tier characters. It was like Ollie Queens hanging out with Hal Jordan and and, uh, and yeah. Dinah and you know, and you got years of relationships to build up yeah, to, and, to and, reference or whatever. And this, you know, they brought it down, and you know, I'm not going to tell you this is my favorite Jason Todd story, but <laughs> he's he's a great character in this and for this. You know, the yeah. bit, the bit where they have to kill all the undead that are locked in. You know, yes, that was uh, great. This is a job for us. You know the way that, you know, even I don't know, like it really just had that nice uh, shift in t- or, uh, balance in tone between sort of the silly, like, like the creeper should be annoying, <laughs> but he wasn't in this. You know, uh, there was, a, you know, there was just a lot of sort of good moments in it, and then, you know, you bring the hammer down when Zombie Wonder Woman shows up, right? You know, and and that has weight all of us because you know you you start to relax your guard all right we're getting safe in here everything will be fine uh, as a metaphor there um well did you find and i don't know if it's just because it's in my brain all the time but did you find there was a lot of references this week to like this kind of thing illness death plague like i felt i thought that something kept showing up and i don't it was obviously this one is it's all about uh the the anti-life equation plague as zombie virus but and obviously, it's coincidence because these books are made well ahead of time. But man, I thought there was a lot of ref- there was a lot of things that either implied or overtly referencing like plagues or Ill- illnesses or death like, in that sense. It's that might have been your subconscious working away because I could say I really noticed it. In fact, I don't even think I really thought of it until I was talking about this book right now. I just right. was like, yeah, it's a zombie book. Because again, that's also fascinating to me is that I like this zombie book. <laughs> and that's not a thing I say all that often, although it has happened. I thought Marvel Zombies was a heck of a lot of fun, and The Walking Dead was always fun. But when you start doing this mix and match, you know, Walking Dead meets DC villains, like, I don't want that. But they make it work, you know? The Lady Shiva stuff with Cassandra Kane was really good. Just great, you know, character building and, and world building. And, you know, his real strength is that he knows the characters really well, but at the same time, he's not being forced into the never-ending status quo. And... The art's real strong. There's a lot of... We, we talked about this last time with the last issue, but uh, here and also we'll talk about it soon in another book. You know, we're starting to see that next generation of quietly artist influence, influenced by quietly. And uh, it's... it's he, This this is um, Carl Mostair. I mean, if he was if he's actually French, it would probably be Mostair, but if he's in Cleveland, it'd be like Mostert. Mostert. Uh, he does action really well. He choreographs fights really well. Yes. And, you know, it's very, it's very um, idiosyncratic in the faces, but he does the action, the acting really well. He does. And, you, and you, what I'm noticing is I'm sort of just looking through it now is that um, he really brings a very street level view to things. Like literally, it's, it's most mm-hmm. of the camera work is sort of, you know, eye level. It, it's you're on the ground with them. There's not a lot of huge dynamic shots. Um, mm-hmm. The action is, you know, the, the fight between Cassandra and Lady Shiva's, you're right there. You know, you're, it's not trying to impress us with camera work. It's really sort of mechanical. But in, in this instance, I actually think it works really well because, you know, it's a small, com- confined space. Um, uh, you know, I don't know that it's a, you know, this is just a style or it's sort of an aesthetic choice for this thing, but it does work really well for this thing, I thought. You know, my one, my favorite scene, and I'm curious what you thought, was when the villains first show up and Gordon is freaking out and he's like, get the fuck out of here, we, you know, and... And Deathstroke's like, yeah, everybody give us the room. And then they have a all heart to heart. So who'd you, who'd you lose? You know, I lost someone. Who'd you lose? And then they had sort of like an old man with white, white beard, heart to heart about people who'd lost their kids. And then they, 
that's when they team up. But I thought that was a terrific, you know, it's a one page scene basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. I liked that scene a lot, and I like. And Gordon's flask, you know, yeah, does not is never too far. I like Deathstroke as a character, uh, and I think I don't like hunt him out. I don't try to find him, uh, but I think the few things he showed up in me, sort of this, you know, he's gray. I suppose mm-hmm. is the character, not just his hair. Um, and I think that works really well. Uh, and especially in a story like this, where you can kind of buy that y- y- the, you know, the, um, it's about survival. It's about like, you know, it's, it's not like he's an evil guy out to punish everybody. He's just doing his thing to get by. And his, his barometer of what's right and wrong is different than yours. But like here, it, it sort of makes sense. And that's the thing with all the villains. Um, I'm laughing because I found the scene where Bane is trying to teach the kids uh, like the philosophy of war and then none of them could understand him because of his mask. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yep. I mean, if you buy the PR story that Tom Taylor has had this idea for a larger world in his head the whole time and it wasn't just capitalizing on the success of the first miniseries, then I'm looking forward to it because he clearly has a lot of interesting things to, to, to do and say here. Yeah. So if that's the case, then great. There's one more issue of this. Then we get to the sequel uh, to the original miniseries and and I'm looking forward to it because it's been I, it, it's been legitimately, consistently, incredibly entertaining for at least a year. And if this is the the spinoff, if this is the secondary material, that's right. fantastic. So s- this week we have Spider Woman number one from Carla Pacheco and Per Perez with Paolo Segarra C- and Oren Jr. on art. And I picked this up. I didn't read the last series, but uh-huh. I figured I'd give it a shot. I like Spider Woman a lot. Yep. And... I was intrigued that the cover featured the classic costume, which I, th- I still think is one of the best designed costumes. 100%. And then uh, they were, I knew they were introducing a new costume so, since she had the cosplay-friendly one last time. Mm-hmm. So I was curious why they so heavily featured the classic costume on the cover and only to introduce a new one on page one. But um, I enjoyed this more as I read it. At first, I wasn't sure. I agree. I, I do not know who Carla Pacheco is. I've mm-hmm. never heard of her. Uh, she has done some comics. I sort of looked her up, um, but sort of nothing that I had checked out. And I, I, I am not sure why I read this. The cover is terrible. Just, yeah. just full stop. Like it, it looks like, it looks like a Photoshop project from somebody who didn't work there. Um, the whole thing. Uh, but as I started going, I, but I was really curious because I'd enjoyed, uh, the last series of Dennis Hopeless's, um, or Dennis Hallam. I, I don't know when I'm supposed to make that change. Uh, I enjoyed his last take, uh, on Jessica Drew an awful lot. And it was nice to me that this character was very consistent with that. And when I first started it, I think it was the same thing. I was like, is this going to be... Uh, the way a reboot. Well, no, but is this going to be the way that sup- that people that the newer generation of writers write superheroes now? Because it gets old to me really quick. And it's what do you mean? Like, <sighs> there's been a lot of books where I'm like, I just hate how all these people talk. Does that make sense? Uh, y- do you have an example? Uh, what was that last? Is it a tone? Is it dialogue? It's a tone, and it's a dialogue, and it's this sort of like, I, I don't know. It's that whatever the the pattern the patter is it's it all sounds the same to me it's like and it's it is good. i don't know if you're t- what you're talking about but I, I you know you do notice that a lot of characters no matter their age or whatever talk like they are 16 year old uh people on twitter yeah there's a lot of that it's it reminds me of like how all 
internet uh, news, I'm doing air quotes, headlines sort of have a, like a little smarmy attitude to them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a little of that. Um, but that being said, as I kept going through this, it's the same thing. I was like, you know, this is actually the dialogue and this is really good. Mm-hmm. The 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 characterization is really good. Like it's a stupid scenario, but it was handled like basically she's been hired to provide security because she needs money because right. you know, she's the working class superhero. Um, she's got a kid. She's a working class yep. hero, and she has been hired to run security on a billionaire's yacht for his daughter's or is it daughter? Yeah, daughter's birthday party, Sweet and 16. all her snot nose kid, rich kid friends yep. are there. And the, the daughter uh, is in a wheelchair, and so that's like the little... And because of that, the daughter wasn't an asshole, which I thought was kind of <laughs> nice, but all of her friends are. Um, you know, all of her rich, naughty friends. And and there's some sort of problem, is that the whole time she's like, ah, I don't feel well. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then she pukes green vomit everywhere. That's a, Okay, that's a sickness thing. Um, and then we go to the second story, uh, where she's back in her other... This two weeks earlier, she's back in her, her other suit, which is a fantastic suit. But also, like... I think it's it's for whatever reason it's impossible to not draw her like a sex pot, like there's right. there's whatever it's just like anybody who's drawing that is like well I'm Frank Cho today I don't <laughs> have to tell you um, and she goes and gets a new suit like the character of Incredibles uh, and it it turns out that that costume maker had been dealing with some mysterious villain who is trying to poison her basically and that's and is and is also you know he's got all the telemetry from her suit so he's got right. all of her info but. I liked the notion if you're gonna give if you're gonna do it of why does she have a new suit because she won't wear the classic one when she's hero for hire basically mm-hmm. she won't sully the image of that classic suit she will she'll wear this new one when she's babysitting a bunch of billionaires on <laughs> a yacht but when she's fighting a supervillain in Central Park with her friends unless the story opens then mm-hmm. or wherever she is yeah Central Park then she will wear her classic suit yeah and that was fine if you're gonna do that I'm not, I I don't know how I feel about this new suit. I don't really like it. It's just Miles Morales, basically, with the hair cut out. Um, yeah, I don't know why she would have the Spider-Man. I mean, she's Spider-Woman, but I mean, like, she's never had the webbing before. You know what? Honestly, when, when I was a kid and I would see Spider-Woman, I thought, oh, she doesn't look anything like Spider-Man. And, <laughs> and to, no, but like to me, that's what it should be now. Like, that's what feels right, if that makes sense. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like having her be part of the Spider-Man universe, like, she was, all, she's always a character apart from it. Like, she knew them. She showed up sometimes, but she wasn't part of that scene. So to turn her into, like, part of the Spider-Family, I don't like. Um, I... Visually. I'm gonna read more of this. It was good, right? Yeah, it was good. The art, the art was good. There was a couple of... And then the main story... Uh, particularly the art there was a couple of really interesting you know composition panels and the one part where she's pulling the chain and she's upside down i thought was really well done when she's trying to pull the helicopter down yeah um and i thought she was the the characterization from uh carla pacheco was good i like jessica drew so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep reading it for now and it really was consistent with sort of how she's been like this would be the next stage you know of the stuff that i really liked and the stuff that was in avengers um. Yeah, it was good. I. I. It was. I thought I was like, is this pick of the week? And I was like, I don't think it's quite there. But it was. It was a big surprise. Um, Who is the dude with the beard taking care of her kid? That's uh Roger. He mm-hmm. was uh, sort of on her little heroes for hire team. It was her and um Ben Yurick and and him. And he was a 
I don't remember. Like he was an animal kind of like he had like a costume and he, Oh, was, was he the guy that was like the armadillo? Yes. Or something like that. Like the hedgehog or whatever he was. Right. And right. you know, he was, you know, former supervillain, but was, you know, kind of a sweet guy and kind of a dullard. And then like at some point at the end of it, they were like, they realized they loved each other. And so he stays home with the baby. It's not her baby. I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember whose baby it is, quite honestly. I think it isn't anybody's. I think. Well, it's, it's sticking to the ceiling, so yeah, it's got to be somebody's baby. Well, she's got. It's hers. Must be her baby. Like, then. There was a whole thing about who the father was, and I do not remember what the reveal was, and I don't think it was a reveal. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a non-event. Uh, she just didn't say. Or anyway, it was. It was really fun. I was. I was glad it happened. And she's. She's a really fun character. I dig her. This week there were two image books that um, I was at the same point with where I thought, well, am I sticking sticking with this? Something's got to happen. Cause I, it's not bad. They're not bad books, but something's got to happen. And Middle middle West 16, Scotty Young, Jorge Corona was one of them. Again, I have not. it's not a bad book, and I've been enjoying it. We've talked about it, but it's been 16 issues, and I'm just kind of like, all right, do I get do I get it? Like, has, has he said what he wants to say about the cycles of abuse and all that stuff, which has been good, but like it's sort of been treading water, especially as the main character's been stuck in this child camp, labor camp for a while. I feel like whenever you get to like an arc that you don't particularly love, you're like, this book's not doing it anymore, which is not different than what I would do, but I feel like it happens on these image books a lot. Where's your, oh, for you're, sure. Yeah. And I mean, my point about this was I just am con- continually impressed by it. I, I the art is the art is incredible every every time. Yeah, I think um, the writing is really strong, and I, I'm I am invested in this storyline. I want to see where it goes and what happens. Um, I think you're right that it's sort of time to move out of it. Like, well, that's that's my point is that so this issue the rescue team shows up for the kids. So that's you know okay good. We're not going to be because it, it's been basically the same story at the camp for the last three or four issues where. You know, the working conditions suck. The boss suck. It was scary. And then it was get used to it. And then it was like, take charge. And now we're at this part where they make their attempt at escaping, but uh, doesn't quite go the way it's supposed to. But that was all, you know, fun and dramatic and big storytelling. And, and you sort of also get the, uh, what's his name? The the farmer guy. You know, his, his, for a little while you're like, well, is he, is he, is he not that bad? Is he okay? And here you're like, no, no, he's a giant asshole. Yeah, he's you know? bad. And that was time for it. And then all of the people show up and, you know, it is time for the next thing. I don't know how long this goes or what it is. Um, yeah, this arc was probably an issue too long in the tooth. But either way, it's, I mean, it's gorgeous. Uh, I feel like I have a really good handle on the characters. I've liked the development of the, the main character, you know, from where he was to where he is now. I think mm-hmm. it's really fun to sort of watch somebody grow and change instead of just being a sad sack and feeling useless all the time. We're seeing, you know, that that forward momentum. Uh huh. You know, I, I, it's it's always been good, and I'm always talking about how great it looks, and I think Scotty's doing a really good job with the themes. It's just I need, I think I need to have an idea of where it's going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. Sweet Tooth was an epic that you know you knew the ultimately what the characters were trying to do. Why the Last Man was an epic. Ultimately, you knew what the characters were trying to do. I I need I think I need to know an idea of what these characters are trying to do. What is the main character? I'm pretty sure it's reckoning with his father. Right. I mean, I don't I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but so that needs that you know we need to make some momentum towards that Mm -hmm. direction. I think. 
This week we had Robin 80th anniversary spe- super spectacular number one, which is a hundred page issue celebrating Robin in all the various incarnations. Although really only the only one who was 80 years old is Dick Grayson, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so this was a all-star talent issue in which we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 stories featuring various Robins. Dick Grayson got the majority of them as he should. The first story was a Marv Wolfman, Tom Grummet story. That was, uh, a really, really nice story about sort of the, the near the tail end of his career as Robin in which he and Batman are really starting to not get along in the field and at home. They're just sort of like a married couple you can see is heading for a divorce. And then the twist is that after Robin finally quits, Bruce basically admits to himself through, through his captions that he pushed him out. That he knew he would never leave on his own mm-hmm. out of loyalty, but he knew he needed to leave and go be his own man. So he started acting like an asshole to him so he would leave. And uh, then he calls him the best man I've ever known. And I got a little teary-eyed. I mean, he is. Um, and the second story was a was a great team-up with Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel with Dick Grayson, Nightwing. That's, and I mean, that, those two guys did some of the best Dick Grayson I've ever read in my life. Yeah, this, this is a classic team from the Nightwing series in their 2000s. And this is just a, I mean, it's Nightwing rescues some people who are trapped. It actually takes place, I think, during Cataclysm, uh, where he's on his way to Gotham and he's always, he stops to save a, a, an ambulance that's in trouble. And just it's a lot of like high flying stuff that Scott McDaniels does really well with the, Scott McDaniels does the, you know, the, the, action, the action in the air, the aerial stuff really well. So that was fun. Cataclysm was so good. Yeah, that whole, that whole era. Yeah. Cataclysm, No Man's Land. That was when Cassandra Kane showed up. And then we had uh, Nightwing and the Teen Titans. Uh, as a Devin Grayson written, Dan Jurgens drawn uh, story in which he's Nightwing with the older version of the original Titans. So you have Flash and Arsenal and uh, Troya and uh, Tempest and their new out and their, you know, that, that incarnation. Speedy, it was fine. Speedy and Aqualad. Right. Okay. Well, well Arsenal and Tempest. Uh, so in this one, there's a botched. Uh, Hive, the their their arch enemies Hive, led by Damian Dark. Uh, you know they get beaten by the Titans, and they're having an after after action meeting with the coach about what they did wrong, fighting the Titans, and he keeps talking about tactics that they they messed up, and the the, the workers keep complaining that oh no, they kept switching up on us, and it's, it's almost like a football coach looking at the game film afterwards, and then it's revealed slowly that one of the guys in the meeting is integrated, and then he he subverts everything, and then tells him at the end, maybe you should be less of an asshole and have a pizza night with your team. Dick Grayson is a good manager. Mm-hmm. And then we had, which was uh, funny, was a Dick Grayson Agent 37 story, which was from his Grayson series. This this one was written by Tim Seeley and Tom King with art by Michael Jannon, the team from that book. Do you remember when Tom King was the guy who had to play Apprentice to Tim Seeley? Yeah. And what do you think Tim Seeley thinks about that these days? <laughs> <laughs> um, and this story, it was really nice. It was it was Dick with an like sort of a young agent and he was imparting uh, wisdom to her as they go on their mission. And what he keeps flashing back to a lesson that Batman taught him when he was young Robin and then basically telling her to do the exact opposite. Hmm. So like plan for everything, always know where you're going to land, never have anything left to chance. And his lesson to the girl is just jump and imp- improvise and figure it out as you're going. So like, it's like there's every time he, he, he changes it up and at the very end, Batman's last lesson is forget everything I told you and do it do it the way you need to do it. Be you. So again, it's like a comes back around and also they find an excuse to put Dick Grayson in a tiny little loincloth outfit because that's what they did in that book. Um 
Then, surprising, but not should have not been surprising, though, the, the, the lone Jason Todd story with him as the Red Hood, written by Judd Winnick with art by Dustin Gwynn, which is, might have been the best story in the whole book. I think people forget how good a Batman writer J- Judd Winnick is. I got I to say, I'm reading um, the high-low books with my kids. Yeah. Like, I'm in the, fi- the fifth and sixth books, or the last ones. They're really good. Like I had to stop reading tonight because I was like, it's bedtime. We gotta go. And I was like, and he got mad. And I was like, dude, I'm mad. I want to know what happens too. And I He's very good writer. But he he had a great run on Batman, mm-hmm. uh, and at the time celebrated. And I think people forget about that. But this is a this is a flashback story in which we see a young, probably drawn a little too young, Jason Todd as Robin gifting uh, Bruce Wayne's father's watch to him that he found and fixed. Mm-hmm. But he didn't fix it correctly because he's a little kid and he couldn't find all the parts. And so here we keep flashing to that and also to Jason Todd doing something as, as Red Hood. And then it, it ends in the same way in which uh, he leaves a bo- – in the, in the present day, he leaves a boxer Batman, which, which has the watch in it. Because at the end of the other story, it has him as Robin. He takes it back and says, I, I didn't really fix it right. Let me keep it until I fix it right. And so then we – so obviously he's kept it all these years and until finally he's an adult and – uh, it, it's a double, you know, double parallel storytelling of Happy Birthday, Bruce, when as a kid and as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very sweet. That's nice. Uh, Tim Drake, written by Adam Beechin, drawn by Freddie E. Williams II. Also, uh, great team Robin run from a great Robin run. And in this is story, Tim is meeting in high school, meeting with the guidance counselor, who's like, Tim, you have so much potential, but you don't do anything. You've got no extracurriculars. You don't. You're not on a sports team. You're not in a club. You don't particularly are into science. And meanwhile, while he's while he's talking about each aspect of school, we see Robin doing something equivalent. So you, you don't really get into science. We see him doing you know analyzing clues in the back cave. You're not on any sports teams. We see him doing hand to hand combat and jumping around. You don't really work in groups. We see him with the Teen Titans. So it's like it's you know that's back and forth, back and forth. It's like if you want to go to a good school because he at that time, if you recall, he wanted to go off to college yep. and put the life behind him. He was the only Robin that really wanted to put the life behind him and do something else. And so you're going to have a real hard time getting into into school. If, if you don't really have any of these extra critics, so it was, you know, humorous. And then, uh, Tim Drake again, this time as red Robin drawn by James Tinney and the fourth and Javier Fernandez, the team behind detective in which, when, when he was the main character. And here we see him in leading up to forming that team where he had Batwoman and Clayface and, and that, that team he had, where he goes and consults with all the Robins about his place in the family. And so uh, Dick Grayson, of course, is like, you know, you're the, you're the inspiration. You know, you should be the one who teaches the next generation. And, and Tim's like, are you kidding me? That's you. And then Jason's like, fuck it. You should do whatever you want. <laughs> you should get out of here. Um, and then Damien's like, yeah, I hate you. You kind of suck, but you've earned the right to do whatever you damn well please. You're, you know, you, you're a Robin. And so, he calls he calls Damien a horrible gremlin in this, which I loved. <laughs> um, and so that leads up to him forming the team with Batman. And there's a Stephanie Brown story, which was written by Amy Wolfram, drawn by Damien Scott. Damien Scott yeah. drew some stuff for her when she was Robin, and this is sort of her training. And the humorous aspect is, at first, <laughs> Batman, because this is what he does, he tries to make her wear Tim's Robin outfit, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't fit because she's a woman. She has breasts and hips and... <laughs> She's very constricted in the suit and she can't move. And so Alfred has to make her a suit that has a woman's body in mind. So this is just, and then she goes on her mission and you, you think it's going wrong, but she, she manages to turn it around and 
then Batman gives her her own little private spot in the Batcave with her with her changing room and clothes and everything, so she can feel comfortable. And then uh, home stretch, fucking Damien, Super Sons story <laughs> with Peter J. J. Tomasi, Jorge Jimenez, the team behind the Super Sons book. This is uh, Jonathan Kent writing a book report about his best friend. So he, t- he writes about his relationship with Damien and who he is and his fears and hopes and all that stuff. And then he passes out the keyboard. Damien sneaks into his room and reads it and says, I knew it. <laughs> um, and then finally, this I guess this story ties into what's happening now, but I don't, I don't read uh, the books where it's related. But it's a story w- written by Robbie Thompson with art by Raymond Villalobos, who is another one of those quite, Frank Quietly types uh, in which – I guess over in Teen Titans where Robin is the character there, he's been enacting a program to sort of lobotomize villains um, and turn them into like placid, uh, pliable suburbanites who work at like the mall. And so uh, he's hiding that from Batman while also physically hiding from Batman. They both run into each other here and go on a case. But in the meantime, neither one of them is thinking about what they're doing. They're both thinking about, Batman's wondering why he can't reach his son and, and Robin's got all these secrets about what he's doing secretly with the Titans. And so uh, I guess that's going to come to a head because it has to be continued in Teen Titans annual number two, which I won't be reading. So, um, And then there's some good pinups. Mostly they're old covers, but there's a couple of new ones in here. Um, it was a good, it was a, and then there's a little, uh, little thing in the back with the brief histories for each one. But it's, if you're a Robin fan, this was an issue. It scratched was, your Robin itch good though. Sounds yeah, and it's someone like you who's reading the book of the month. You might want to check this out later on at your leisure, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've read a lot of these runs before. Yeah, yeah. I'm basically I liked how Robin used to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's that's my take on it. That was a long Robin report, which I think was worth it because it was a really good issue. And if you're a Robin fan, it's a must read. Let's talk real quickly about how you can support the show. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. So a lot's been going on there. Uh, we have briefly hit our next stretch goal, which means we've released our monthly non-comics media podcast. If you want to hear more of them, we need to get back to that stretch goal. We also uploaded one video show, the Darwin Cook interview we did in 2008, the first time we interviewed him. Great interview, I think. Um, so that's available on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash fanboy. And also this, we actually did something new in light of uh, where we all are, working from home, stuck in quarantine, socially inactive. We launched a iFanboy patron um, Discord chat, uh, server. So we launched that this past weekend. There's already tons of patrons in there talking about comics and movies and TV and whatever they're doing at home and all kinds of stuff. So if you're missing community and comics talk and you want to get involved something like that, patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you even join the $1 level, you can get, you can join up and you can be part of that Discord channel. We're all there. A lot of the old staff is there, Paul and Jim and Ryan and Mike Romo, and uh, we're all sort of hanging out there. So... That's how you can support the show most directly, but also t-shirt store, fm.threadless.com. Our seven shirts are there. If you need a new t-shirt to wear as you're lounging around the house. I've got a a three-wear rule now. What's that? While I'm I'm stuck here, if I I can wear something three times and then I got to wash it. Okay. It hasn't been hot lately then. No, it's been cold and rainy. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretending this not to underwear and socks and things, but to black shirts. But three, three and three and out. So if, I, if you need to know shirts, fanboy.threadless.com, fanboy.com slash support, directly donate via PayPal, and fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find the Booksplode books and all the, and a general Amazon link. And we thank everyone who supports the show. You're the ones who keep it going. And Family Tree was the other book I was talking about. Oh, right. Hey, wait, before you get to that, though, I did want to say, uh, 
at this point, you know, like the the patrons, like it it means something that people are still part of this. And honestly, if you were thinking like, would it be a good time to do? Now would be a great time to sign up. To be mm-hmm. completely frank, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, but also at the same time, if you can't, please listen to the show and enjoy it. Regardless, if you can, we really appreciate it. And if you can't, I get that too. Um, but don't think it's not nothing it's it's it really is like an important part of this whole thing for us and we had our um our monthly patron hangout yeah. we opened it up to the general audience to general fan base and we had about four times as many people watching and, and participating as normal it was super fun it was, it was fun. super fun so um we do that every month maybe we'll open it up again if this thing lingers yeah. on as long as people fear it will but uh a lot of fun it's a great community and it's if true you check we appreciate checking it out, but, uh, but just listening is, is, is the best. Sure thing. Yeah, so family tree, I guess there's a plague. There's a tree plague of some kind. This was another one where it felt kind of like that, kind of plaguey. Uh-huh. So I've, I've, I don't know why I'm still reading this other than I really like Phil Hester and I like his art and I feel like I don't get to see it. And this is like full-on Phil Hester art as far as, you know, like I, and I haven't seen that enough lately. Um, but then That's also, also why I'm reading it too. Also... At the end of the issue, there was like a, a big thing that happened and then a time jump. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Well, that's exactly what happened. With So I was like, with this one, I was like, well, I mean, I like Phil Hester and I like Jeff Lemire, but man, something's got to happen here. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this was the issue where a lot of stuff happened. So now I'm very curious to read the next issue. And, and so. basically, they just like changed what the book was completely. And on an indie book that I don't know who's reading this or who's talking about it. But, like, you set everybody up for what this thing is, and, like, now it's a different thing. And I went, oh. and that It's almost like this was a five-issue prelude. Yeah, and I was just impressed by the boldness of that. Yeah. Um, And I'm I'm totally interested to see what happens next, because I don't know what it will be. Because this was, basically, for five issues, it's been like a chase in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) People are turning into trees. Uh, (laughs) People who you thought were the main character have been killed. We thought, uh, when this guy turned into a tree, that guy's dead. What's going on? Yeah. What do you want from me? Uh, it was good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. Plunge number two. Joe yeah. Hill, Stuart Eminem. God, it's so good to look at a Stuart Eminem book. Boy, I, I just love looking at it. It's Stuart Eminem colored by Dave Stewart, and it's a great yeah. thing. And you would think, man, you got to read that no matter what. But I'm going to tell you, I hope you guys enjoy plunge number three. Because <laughs> it's too, too far off that uh, that horror, horror deep end for me. I don't, the, the first issue was good. This yeah. one was less good. I fe- this issue I read and I thought, did I miss an issue? I actually looked back to yeah, see if it was two, I, two or three. Yep. But um, yeah, this one's more in the traditional horror vein. And I'm, I'm still going to read it because I think it's only six. So I probably, I assume it's only six. Everything. We talked about this last week. Everything. Basically, six. by the time The Walking Corpse was, I was like, eh, nope. I don't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. And also, I I have no idea what's going on. I don't either. I really don't. I, Characters were talking. I was like, I don't remember who any of you are and what you're talking about. There's a lot of you. <laughs> there's a there's lot like, of. There there's like nine, nine main characters here, as opposed to a lot of white men. And it's it's one to three <laughs> women. I'm not sure. <laughs> Dollhouse family. There's like four people in yep. Bestful of Heads. There's like three here. There's like nine, and I don't yeah. remember who any of them are. So that's a problem. But it's God. It's gorgeous. I really. Sure. It's a. I couldn't find a single panel to put on our thing, but it's just because it all looks so good together. I couldn't find anything that you cut out and 
be like, that's amazing because it all sort of works together as a piece. I might just look through it again. I might I might do that and then not really read it. I did that when uh, Moon Knight for a while with Brian Wood. Greg Smallwood. I was like, I'm not even yeah. reading this. I'm just looking at it. It's beautiful. Fantastic Four, welcoming party, dance lot, Paco Medina. And I thought we were done with that last storyline, but no, we're bringing it back to Earth. What did you think of that? I wasn't thrilled. I I think I wasn't. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the issue. Uh-huh. I, I did enjoy the issue, and there was a lot of good things that happened in it, but I really did not enjoy the last arc. So to have it return, or the, his, his Johnny's soulmate comes back to Earth with them, and so now we're dealing with that. Uh, I thought I thought it was just it was choppy. I like the Moloid, though. So. Yeah, I did too. I liked that story. There was things about it that were good, but like the bit where... Like they left before and like, no, we're soulmates. And then as soon as they got there, he's like, all right, I'm taking off. And I was like, that just seems inconsistent with what it had been. I get it. I, I know what they're trying to do with it. And then by the end of the issue, it was like, no, we're soulmates again. She's actually great. And I just thought you're doing it's you're doing too much too fast. It was it was a little bit of artificial ten, uh, yes. drama. Created, That's exactly it. The um the the, the story in which the Moloids mm-hmm. who were living underneath the reservation that White Wingfoot is the leader of in Oklahoma are led into the tribe because technically they, they're on they're of the land in the I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I liked that, you know, like she could talk to the T Rex. But then like, of course, Mole Man shows up to get his Moloids back, so that's the sure. that's the fight. And then you're right. So then she can she can talk to birds and since dinosaurs are birds, she can talk to the T Rex and I thought that was funny and yep. smart. And then I think part of the problem I have, and it's encapsulated in the final scene with Ben and Reed sharing champagne on the roof, is that by changing the origin, and I I, I hate when they do this, mm-hmm. it does relieve Reed of some of the responsibility. Because if they were purposely blasted with radiation by this other uh, race, which is what the last arc was about, mm-hmm. Then it wasn't Reed's carelessness and thoughtlessness that did this. It was an act that was committed on them. But he also said, point, you know, like, I am look, still, you know, but. He still takes responsibility. But the thing is, like, the whole point before was it was all Reed's responsibility. And now they've taken some of it off of him. Dramatically, it's almost more interesting if he just doesn't, like, if, even if that was true, but he doesn't know it. Or nobody, you know, like, it's more of, like, that sort of old-timey, like, you know, uh, Twilight Zone type of thing. Like they, but you're right. Like that, that's their their dynamic changes. Drastic. And Ben's like, oh, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like really, really. That was your whole. That was your whole life up to that point. Like I don't know why we keep having to just totally re- change the foundational elements of all these characters. Maybe they think that's what will make them interesting to people now. <sighs> <laughs> Everyone just chill out. So I, I thought die die die, was over. Mm-hmm. This is issue nine. I don't know I, why I didn't put a number there. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's here's what happens. Uh, when you subscribe to a book on Comicsology, it just appears like you buy. You know, you get charged. Mm-hmm. It appears in your thing, and so you have to sort of. You don't have to sort of worry about it. So some of the some of the books that I get, I I've subscribed to, so sure. I don't have to worry about looking for them. I have some of those. And I thought this, sure. I thought this book ended. And so then I'm like, I get an email. And it's like new issue. Die die die. Coming to your account. And I was like, yeah, right, because. There was a time where I I get those emails for a Mark Miller's magic book, and then it wouldn't happen for like four. I get it every every week for like four weeks until it finally came out. Um, so I didn't think this was actually happening, and then this book appeared in my uh, iPad. And I thought it was over. I don't. 
remember what happened. It's, and they even mentioned in the um, letters page, this, this has been a long time since the last issue. It's like, yeah, I don't remember anything. But it's Chris Burnham, and it and it's a Kirkman with co-writing co-writing with Scott Gimple, his partner, his showrunning partner on The Walking Dead. And it's it's just it's just silly enough. It's uh, it's <laughs> just silly enough. It's about these this covert cabal of senators in the United States government who secretly run things and they're, they're hitmen and they're assassins and they're all at war with each other. And there's a quad, quadruplet assassin brothers who were in the first arc were all killing each other. And now one of them doesn't have a nose and it's really creepy. And uh, another guy doesn't have a nose and there's too many people walking around and smoke without noses, but um, it's just weird enough. And Burnham is terrific as always, but yeah. man, I, I saw this and I was like, really, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> um, they did. They the book debuted July 2018, and they did they did six issues there, and then they've been sporadic since then. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. But and the thing about that is, if you if you think you're subscribing to a miniseries, and yeah. then they just get you every time with like oh, let's let's put one out there. I mean, I'm just they're not making going. a ton of money. It's not the point. The fact is that it, it's just it's surprising. Yeah, I was I was like, wait, what happened? So I've, I thought for a second about canceling it because you can cancel it before it comes out, but then I just forgot. All right. It's, it's, as you may imagine, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yes. Can- canceling die 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 wasn't on my top top my agenda. Well, who would have on Tuesday? Who would have thought? So those books we want to talk about. I don't know if we've gone long or short. I've got we're, a headache. We're okay. Uh, so those are the books we want to talk about. There were other books we could have talked about, but those are the books we did. Now we're now we're going to do the patron pick, which is how the which is the book of the patrons vote to add it to the rundown, I, and they got you again, Josh. I gotta say, by the way, just just we normally record this in the morning. It is the evening now, and we used to think that recording in the morning would be bad, but I think it's much worse to record in the evening. I I, I think so too. Yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, well, I'm, I'm like you know I'm waiting for dinner. I'm getting I'm getting a headache from hunger. Oh, I've I've done the whole day. I put the kids to bed. I know I have dishes to do up there. You know, come on. Uh, yeah. So we got X-ray robot number one. Uh, from uh, Mike Allred, uh, doing story and art. Uh, his wife Laura Allred doing colors as always, and uh, Nate Picos on letters. I did not know what this was. I had not heard of it. I don't really look out for Mike Allred. I'm not a big fan. I'm not really a I'm not really anti all red. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't dig on it all that much. Although, you know, I've had it go other ways sometimes, and I'm I'm always up for it. And so, I believe this is the this is not the first time the patrons have um, given you an all red book to read. Do they do that? Do, they do it on purpose, though, right? Or is that they're really interested in an all red book? I don't know. It's hard to tell with those rascals. But uh, so this is a new number one. I don't know what this is. This is a mini. Uh, probably it's probably a mini series. Uh, Everything's a miniseries. Uh, so I, initially, I thought, well, this will be an interesting. Like, I I have to read the thing. So, you know, it's sort. Of, I don't really know what to expect. It could be anything, and that is sort of exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the the the. I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah, kind fair. of where I'm at. I think yeah. it definitely has a sort of retro pop vibe. That's kind of his deal. That's his. That's his aesthetic. Yeah, it moves very quickly. Um, there's a lot going on. Some might say too quickly. Some might say that's that's possible. Uh, but like literally, as I sit here, I read it less than twenty four hours ago, and I'm struggling to tell you exactly what it was. But there's they're creating <laughs> some kind of interdimensional portal, and then there's a robot, uh, and there's a thing that happens, 
There's a bunch of scientists. I'm going to just go ahead because I don't know how else. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff going on with scientists. And they put the robot and the man through the portal. And then they come back. And then we later the robot shows up. And the robot has been fused with the man who still exists. But he has been gone for 250-ish years. And so he's the same guy in the robot body but from the future. Yeah, and... But then there's also like a multiverse thing where he comes back and he sees his wife and kids. But then he also sees the female scientist as sees her as his wife with different kids. And then it flashes. Then he goes back to his original wife. It's I got very lost on that stuff. There was a bit where there's actually a scene where he comes back the very first. Okay, so they make a and his wife is with a horrible boss. Like it's all I was very confused. And then uh, everything everything after that. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Even here. before that, like, there's a bit where they're. He's in the hallway, and the boss is like, harassing isn't even the right word. Like, no, it's assaulting. Yes, he's assaulting the the lady scientist, and then she goes and she takes that because she has a witness now as a way to get him to agree that she's on the team. And I was like, that's not really the message we want to give so much, but whatever. Um, and he uses it to get more funding, so they both they all get something out of it, right? And then. He is there about to do the thing, and he's like, oh, my family's here, uh, and, and that's really important. He goes into wherever he goes, and he comes back, and immediately the girl walks up and kisses him. So well, that, was after, that was after the experiment. Yeah, right, but like it's right when he, it's like right after the experiment. Like, it worked. Right, and she, she kisses him, and then it pulls back, and it says, "Oh, uh, what did I, you see, Daddy? It's two different kids, and the, and the wife, the, the, his wife, who was black, is with the bad boss. She's he's she's they're holding each other's asses. Oh right, um, which is strange. And the chill. Well, what's odd is that. So this is okay. So the he children, has two mixed. He has two mixed race kids, and then he comes back and he's got two blonde kids because right. she's blonde but and he's blonde. Both of the dads are white. And in the first part, the kids are the exact same color as the mom. Well, they're a mixed race. They're, they're, I, that's, no, I get I that. That's fine. But you come back like I, I, I just I didn't follow any of that. Yeah, so he he comes back. He freaks out seeing he's got different kids, and he has like a headache, and he looks through his fingers, and, it, and then he sees it back to normal with his wife oh, and kid. Okay, I guess I didn't follow it closely enough. Although no, it's not. It's very confusing. He sort of has like he sort of slips between realities where he comes back in, in a different reality, has a headache, and now he's back to the original reality. Right, because I saw that scene and I was confused, and then I flipped the page and he's back with his wife, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess. That's fine. And then they no, it, have sex and float in the air for some reason. I really love Mike Allred, the artist. I think he's one of the best pe- artists working. His Silver Surfer run with Dance a Lot was incredible. I've never really responded to Mike Allred, the writer, all that much. Uh-huh. Um, it's unfortunate because he's a terrific artist. I'd love to respond to it. But like Mad I mean, Men. Uh, no, Mad Man. Yeah. I would, we used to always do that. Mad Men. Uh, Ron used to love that book. I just never could respond he's, to it. I just—he's he's very got a hell of an imagination, yeah, and 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 a very specific voice and aesthetic, which you know those are really good things to have, but it does not work for me. Yeah, there are things to like about this, but I was confused several times, and I'm you know I'm not bad at this. Yeah, no, I, I had the same problem, and I was like, that's why I said it moved too quickly because I, I felt like a, I was getting whiplash reading. Reading it. Like, now that you sort of pointed out that thing about the, you know, the family, and then when he puts his hand over his eyes, like, it's pretty clever. But that, the storytelling clever. there is good. But 
Yes. The underlying story is, is tough. Mm-hmm. How it's seeing, he's seeing it through his fingers. That's, that's a great sequence, but Although it is, it's clever, but it's not clear. Right. That's, yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's the problem. Ratings. Ratings. Ugh. X-ray robot. Number one, Mike Allred, Laura Allred, Nate Pico's dark horse comics out of five, three, three sticking with it. No, no. It's it's great though. I think I think if you're a fan of all of it, you'll probably really enjoy it. I do too. Or if this like this kind of kitschy sci-fi trippy shit, like if you like this kind of thing, it's probably fantastic. I don't. So, all right. So that was respectful. Uh, that's the patron <laughs> pick. Now, if you give it the five dollar or higher level, you get your own patron power on the show live, and we are going to now uh, ratchet down to two an episode to get some more time in for other things, emails and such. So we're going to give it two powers an episode. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Josh, why don't you kick us off? Well, Daryl Humber doesn't get angry. He has Ever. complete control over his fight or flight response. He does mm. not get angry. He looks at everything rationally. Doesn't mean that he's he's a he's an emotionless robot. Not the case. It also means he doesn't get like scared and he feels made to flee then. Well, you can get scared, you can get anxious, but you don't get angry. There's no rage. Right, but the, the, make... the flight aspect of that means you well, know you, you then I misspoke. I'm not okay. taking that away. The fight, okay. the fight part. He just okay. he, he doesn't pass that red line. He stays he stays where he needs to be to get shit done. Correctly. Stays in the in the in the green. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get angry. So therefore, he's completely immune to gamma radiation. <laughs> Is that how that, that's how that works? Well, from a certain point of view. Sure, absolutely. You wouldn't like it's me when true. I'm angry. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Zachary Cheeseman, which is interesting because Humber sounds like a kind of cheese. Yeah, sure. Uh, Zachary Cheeseman has a very appropriate power in that he can create a six foot bubble. Of just no one, no one comes within six feet of me. Oh, they well, physically that's... can't. They physically can't do it. Is it visible? They, they, it's invisible. Hmm. He creates an invisible six foot bubble. They they literally can't get that close. What to does him. it feel like? To some, is it someone approaching? Is it like hitting a rubbery thing? Is it like hitting a hard surface? Is it like the the uh, what the repulsion of a magnet? Yeah, just it's just kind of this weird like resistance you feel. It's not like you're walking into glass or anything. Okay. It's just you just can't do it. It's just weird. Your body wants to move, but it can't. It's just stuck. Because what I hear is like running into a big plastic bubble. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be. I mean, that's that's an idea, but no, it's, it's more like it's not painful. It's just you can't push against it. It's just a force. But he's not protected from like a fall. No, it's just, it's just a, it's a it's a barrier. What about dogs? The, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing can get through it. So no contact. A, he cannot have. Is it only organic stuff? Is it? Yes. Like if he was standing in a hallway, he wouldn't push the walls out. It's just mm-hmm. people and and animals. I, I imagine he's quite lonely. Well, he can. Cre- it's not all the time. He creates. It. Oh, okay. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not involuntary. No, no, no. It's active. It's not a sad, lonely existence. Okay. For Zachary, it's just he can he can he can engage it. All right. Patreon.com slash iFanboy, five dollar higher superpower live on the show. Emails. Emails. Alex you gonna do the New Zealand one? Sure. Alexander from New Zealand says he started reading comics regularly in twenty twelve. They were delivered by uh, Richard Taylor. <laughs> it's a New exactly. Zealand joke. Uh, mainly because of the MCU, uh, but I'm starting to lose steam. There are no titles that are really exciting to me anymore. When I started reading, I'll, I had all the momentum of the image boom and Marvel Now, 
which he remembers, catapulting me into being a Wednesday warrior, but now I'm struggling. I regularly find myself three weeks behind in my books, and it feels like a chore just to keep up. Is it, or is it just me, or has it been fairly lackluster out there for a while? Uh, when was the last time you read a five-star book on a Wednesday? And he says he's been thinking about this for six months, so, you know, props to you, Alexander. Well, I mean, I read five-star books all the time, but... Um he the the tough thing is he came in at a very creatively fertile time. Yeah, and, and we, we we talked about this a couple was a couple weeks ago. How it's 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 a it's in a weird we're in a weird yes. place comics wise. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. And then the other thing is by coming in in 2012, you don't necessarily have the history that like people like Connor and I tend to rely on. And sometimes when none of the books are good, somebody will do something that scratches that itch about like oh this is what comics used to feel like. And we get right. by on that a lot. We will talk about that, obviously. And I don't, it's not a luxury, but it's definitely something that the longevity in this can, can give you. So if you're working from that standpoint, it's tough. I mean, I don't think you're it, wrong. Yeah, no, no. I would say comics are in a better place than, than, than now. But anytime you're in a, a weekly medium like this, you're going to have you at some point you make a deal with yourself at some point you decide if this is for you or not and by, what i mean by this is reading every week you can certainly keep reading comics you don't have to read them every wednesday you can I just mean, buy a trade now and then but like at a certain point this this used to happen i said about maybe 10 years ago we, we had people really existentially concerned all the time and if you go back and you see all the emails and voicemails about people constantly wondering if they were sick of comics and the thing is like all right, you just, you just had Dick Robin's 80th anniversary. So Robin's had 80 years of stories. At a certain point, they start repeating themselves. So you have to decide if, if that's your thing or not, if you're into that. And if you're not, then weekly comic reading may not be your, your thing. You may just want to be a guy who reads trades or, or collection editions or searches out classic runs. And there's no lack of them. But, but at a certain point, that you was, Yeah, historically, like people cycled out within 10 years. That was mm-hmm. That was planned for. That was understood. Um, and then that changed sort of after the 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 bankruptcy, basically, in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, where, like, these are the same people. <laughs> no, 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 way before that. This this is, yeah. this is it was covered in the comic book uh, history book. It was a yeah. s- Silver Age thing, where up until the Silver Age is when people mm-hmm. cycled out when they when they hit, like, puberty. Yeah, and, then, right. and then they started staying. Uh, that's, that was a problem. Um, so that's why they invented a bunch of new versions of the characters, and then ever, basically ever since the seven, 60s and 70s, once Marvel came about, people just stopped cycling out of books uh, for the most part. So if I didn't do this thing that I'm doing, I think I'd probably be in the same boat with you. And my advice would be that whatever you liked from that early period that you thought was quite – there's stuff that is a lot better that came before it. And to you, it is new. And, you know, we've done a lot of shows, we've done a lot of, you know, books blows, we've done, you know, not just us, but then there's all sorts of resources to sort of figure out what they, go find some of those classics and see what it is you like, follow, you know, like, like, I've I've been wanting to read, you know, whatever this is, like, there's so much in the past, that's like saying I'm bored with the movies out in the theater today, well, good news, there's a hundred years of cinema, you know. Well, we we, we talked about all these old Robin stories and Chuck Dixon. So like if you, if you, I don't know what you're into Alexander, but if you were a fan, let's say of the Batman family, you could go and find over a decade's worth of Robin books, Nightwing books, Batman books, detective books. And I mean the titles over a decade of each one written by Chuck Dixon that are terrific and better than anything you're reading right now, Batman wise. Mm -hmm. And you're, that's, that's 
a lot of reading you can do. And doesn't just because they're not coming out right now doesn't mean they're not worth reading. I will say that if you came out during that time where Image was super fertile. Yeah, it's different. That's harder. Yeah. Uh, there's Especially if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, because that that was a new thing in terms of comics, like mainstream <laughs> comics sort of doing different types of genres and stories. I mean, if you did like that, there's a lot of vertigo. I'd say that's probably your best bet. Um, <laughs> or just, I mean, yeah. And we, we, and we talked about that on the show. Uh, image is not what it used to be. Even though we just talked about a couple of bitch books that are pretty good. It's not that time of 12, 2012 where you had Southern Bastards and you had all the books Rick Remender was doing. And uh, I can't even remember all the books that they were constantly, we were constantly talking about. And um, the books that Scott Snyder was doing books in Image. It was a, it was a very explosive time at Image. Yeah, but, and, you know, through the mid 2000s, there was, you know, actually, let me take that back. You know, earlier than that, Queen and Country is something that exists. Like we did, uh, our video shows really cover a lot of this stuff sort of from that time. You know, go read all of Starman. Go, you know, like there's a lot of great stuff. Right. So much. You, you, like I get it. Maybe you don't want to buy them every week. But man, just start buying some stories and read some great stories. And that will that will do it for you. I can almost guarantee it. And, I mean, you're not wrong. It's, it's definitely a weird time for comics. It's a weird time. Image is not that exciting. Uh, DC is in a weird malaise. Marvels doesn't know what it, to make of itself. And but 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 within that, Superman Smashes the Clan is one of the best books of the last ten years. It's a five star book for sure. And and uh, Gene Luen Yang has many wonderful books, and he's a MacArthur uh, fellow, so you should check them out. Yeah, not just superhero ones. It's it's a different time. You're not wrong, but it's there's a lot of good out there still. Contact at ifanboy.com. Man, I am tired. Contact at ifanboy.com is where you would go to send us an email. Uh, sure. Please do that. If you can, you really should let us know how long you thought about it. Um, and I like the idea that no one even knows why they're doing that anymore. That's really exciting to me. Yeah. It, they're just saying it. Like, why are you doing that? You know, I don't know. It's just a thing that gets done now. And it's mm-hmm. fine. So listen, did you want to hear me talk to comic creators? Well, good news, brother. Uh, I talked to my pal and comic book writer, uh, Aubrey, Sit- Aubrey Sitterson, uh, on our Talksplode podcast. Uh, that is available now. It is out. He, uh, he rebuilt a career is what he did uh, <laughs> with the uh, wonderful comic book story of professional wrestling and uh, No One Left to Fight, which uh, apparently, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, is right up your alley. Um, and I, I, I sought to understand Dragon Ball Z fans, and I think I did get somewhere, which is kind of interesting. And then there is the media splode. Is it our only media splode ever? Did we call it? Why are we calling it media splode? I think Connor did that. Uh, it's an all media show, sort of like our year end shows uh, that was unlocked by the patrons. But we uh, we have it under pretty good authority that we will not be above that level next month, unless unless you guys really like it and come out of the woodwork. Uh, but it's uh, myself and Connor and uh, an old old partner and, and uh, old chum. I fanboy founder Ron Richards uh, comes back because he's not talking about comic books, so he can he can talk about this. And we talked about some things that you can uh, binge watch while you are while you are stranded inside, while you can't go anywhere. We talked about well, well, while you're definitely working from home. I mean, let's be fair; we're all definitely working from home. Hard. And these are things you can put on in the background while you're working from home. Those that was our our, our main topic. Actually, I work much better with a thing on in the background. It's just proven science. <laughs> No, I'm not even. I'm not even exaggerating. That started. That started way back at our ITN office job. I was like, oh, I, sh- I know you got TV on in the background. Yep, I was watching it on a uh, on a PSP. <laughs> <laughs> I watched all of Mad Men like that. We also talked about Josh's discovering the Expanse book series, which led him to dis- watching the TV show. We talked about that whole situation. Then we ended up talking about the HBO 
documentary McMillions. So there's something there for everyone, even if you don't realize it. And it was fun. It was about an hour of us talking about that stuff. And we had a good time. We'd love to do it again. It really would. It was fun. But would we do it again? We'll find out. Tune in next time. It's up to you, really. Yep. And then, coming up. So this week, we have Booksplode, Robin Year One, which we'll be recording soon and getting it to you hopefully this week. Uh, Chuck Dixon is back, and Robin is back, and that's that's going to be a fun one. By, by no... is back, they came out 20 years ago. Yeah. And then uh, the Animation Brain Trust recorded the Superman Red Sun podcast. That'll be coming to you probably the week after, first week of April. Ryan Haupt, Paul Montgomery, and I talk about the newest DC animated film, Superman Red Sun, based on the Mark Miller book and Dave Johnson. And it was a lot of fun to do. We recorded that today. In the meantime, head over to fanboy.com. That's where you find all these shows we talked about. All of our old shows, all of our old content is there. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash fanboy or following us at fanboy on Twitter. And at fanboy comics on Instagram is where you can find that information as well as the best of the weekend panels feature. Individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and Jay Flanagan on Instagram and Twitter. If you like this show uh, and and you want to you want it to go on, a couple of things you can do: you can write us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you feel like rating uh, podcasts in that way. You can tell people about it in whatever way that that works best for you. Uh, you can be like, "Hey, mom." I know that you read that one comic book I had once, and you said that was pretty good. Well, have have I got something for you? Sit down and get ready for this. There, there's Yes, there are that many episodes, and I need you to start at one. No, they don't get good for a while, and even then. Or you could just post something on social media about it. You could uh, tell your friends to listen to it, talk about it in the comic shop. What it, well, talk about it on Zoom in your virtual comic shop hangout. You should do that. That'd be fun. You know, A good place yeah. to do that would be um, if you were an iFanboy patron, by the way. That would just be... Yeah that would work for you i think they talked about it already but having a a regular because you can do you know chatting through it a regular hangout through yeah that's very cool uh we've always had the best community i've like bar none since this all started uh for sure 100 percent um so please do all that and thank you so much and oh jesus take care of yourselves follow the rules do the things uh keep sane uh you know Present yourself as working as well as you're able while at home. Uh, Let's be careful out there. Yeah, and you know, we'll be we'll we'll be okay probably, right? Yeah. In the meantime, there's comic stock, and I know that some stores maybe not getting books, and other there's some of the smaller companies that are not even going to ship books, and so we'll we're, you know as long as the comicsology has their books, we'll be here doing the show. And if they don't have books, then who knows what we'll do? But we'll I, keep doing something. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> there's, there's always been comics there will always be comics, comics well i mean constant. freelancers are used to working from home but we're all those you know editorial teams and production people and all that stuff that's happening in the offices who knows that's a good point that's a very so good point i guess point. we'll all find out together one way or another and until then i'm connor i'm josh sometimes good guys don't wear white they don't wear